ESPN Radio. This is ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and on ESPN+. Plus. I'm Amber Wilson. He is Harry Douglas. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. You can tweet to us at ESPN Radio, at Amber W790, at HDouglas83. You can also join the conversation on the Canty call-in line at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. A ton to get to on today's show, and it is Jackie Robinson Day. But first, we have to start in the NBA. There will be NBA games tonight. We will finally find out who is going to play the number one seed in the first round of these NBA playoffs, and it will be one of four teams. They are all playing this evening. The Hawks will take on the Cavs. That is a 7.30 p.m. tip-off, and then the Pelicans will take on the Clippers at 10 p.m. And Harry, that's where we have to start because we have huge breaking news out of the NBA regarding those Los Angeles Clippers. They're going to be without Paul George tonight. Paul George has reportedly tested positive for COVID-19, a significant blow to this Clippers team. Is it possible that they can get it done against the Pelicans without Paul George now? Paul George or Kawhi being out there for the Clippers? Honestly, it is possible because I, I don't want everybody for, to forget that for a large amount of this season, the Clippers were without Paul George, and they were doing a good job. We've we seen them sweep the Lakers um, this year, four games to none, but they were playing a good brand of football uh, before they got Paul George back. Now, the thing about Paul George missing from this game is that you, you, you miss that superstar, like that, that guy that can just – Get you a bucket when you need to, when you need need points, and another guy that can defend on the perimeter very very well. You look at the game they just had against the Minnesota T- Timberwolves, and Paul George had 34 points in that game, right? Seven rebounds, I believe, mm-hmm. and five assists. That's going to be missed. Now to throw a cherry on top, I still don't know the status of Luke Kennard, right? So that might be two guys that the Clippers are going to be without that can put the ball in the basket. Um, at any given moment. Now, Luke Kennard, he's an elite shooter, can shoot the ball from from deep range and can just get you buckets. But Paul George is that guy. We viewed him and Kawhi Leonard as two guys that you want on your team, a Batman and a Robin that can get you anything that you want offensively and defensively. But let me tell you why it's very, very key for this team. Against the Minnesota Timberwolves, Reggie Jackson toward the end of that game did not have his best game. He didn't finish that game well. In the fourth quarter, the Clippers had six turnovers. That's terrible. They were up 10 points with about, I think, eight, eight minutes and 54 seconds left to go in that game and end up losing. So with those stats be, being, being read to everyone, now there's pressure on Reggie Jackson, Terrence Mann, Norman Powell, Zubak, Marcus Morris, those guys, Covington, Batum, those guys are going to have to step up big time. But it's something that they have already done once this season – for a long period of time. So I don't want everybody to go in panic mode because Paul George isn't playing, but he is that player that you can ride offensively if you're struggling and go to when you need a basket at will. Yeah, guys like Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris are absolutely going to be relied on much more now in the absence of Paul George. But you said it, this is a team that is familiar with playing without George. And so because of that, 
I would imagine that they've still got a shot tonight against the Pelicans. The Pelicans, of course, are also playing without one of their biggest stars in Zion Williamson. Now the Clippers are going to be playing without multiple stars in Kawhi Leonard superstars and Paul George. And they did that for 48 games without George this season when he dealt with an elbow injury. So 48 games is a pretty large sample size there that they got accustomed to playing without Paul George. Now Ty Lue during that time elevated Terrence Mann to the starting lineup when George was on the injured reserve. They could also insert Norman Powell into the lineup. So there's things that they can do here. I do think that it serves them well that they've had to do it before and not just do it like for a week or something, but they really had to do it before without Paul George. So from that perspective, they're battle tested for this scenario, but Paul George is their guy. He's the face of that team in the yes. absence of Kawhi. And this is postseason basketball. Even if it's not officially playoff basketball, we know it's officially playoff basketball. And that's the level that these teams are playing. That is going to be the level that the Pelicans are playing tonight. So it's not going to be easy by any means for this Clippers team, particularly coming off of this news that Paul George is out. It is time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. The odds, Harry, Vegas has reacted to this news. (laughs) The Clippers-Pelicans movement after Paul George tested positive for COVID-19 looks like this. The spread went Clippers by a favorite at minus four, to plus one. So they actually went from the favorite now uh, to plus one. Clippers money line went from a minus 190 to a plus 100, where the Pelicans money line moved from a plus 160 to a minus 120. So the Pelicans are now the favorite in this game because of the absence of Paul George. You don't want to say it, but it does feel like a bit of a break here for a Pelicans team that is coming off of a win. And that's the difference here also with the Pelicans and the Clippers. The Clippers are coming off of a loss. I don't know how much momentum matters in that regard, but now the Clippers are coming off a loss and facing adversity given, albeit a close loss, but they're coming off of a loss to the Timberwolves and facing adversity where the Pelicans are coming off of a win and might be feeling that calm. Confidence, Harry. Yeah, if I'm the Pelicans, though, I'm not going into this game saying, that, hey, you know what, Paul George is gone. I have to have the same mentality because those numbers are just shifted a little bit. This game could go either way. You know what I mean? And one of the things that I think Ty Lue was leaning on is that last year during the playoffs, you had a Terrence Mann who stepped up big time and was scoring buckets, right? You do have a Norman Powell that you traded for that can uh, pick up some slack as well. You have veterans in Marcus Moore, uh, Morris and Nick Patoon and those guys. So you do have a confidence as a head coach in those regards. But if you're the Pelicans, you want to be on your A game like you was the other night uh, when you was playing the San Antonio Spurs. Now, Valanchunas, uh, Brandon Ingram, uh, C.J. McCollum, those guys are going to have to play big roles tonight. They're going to have to score points. And one of the things that, that killed the Clippers the other night against the Minnesota Timberwolves is that they gave up 36 points in the paint. Valanciunas is probably licking his chops. So Zubox, he's going to have to be on his A game so they're not giving up that many points in the paint like they did against the Timberwolves. That was Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Los Angeles went a respectable 24-27 and 27 without Paul George. 
uh, in the lineup. So it's not like they don't know how to win without him, but it does show at 24 and 27, they're still below 500 without Paul George. It's obviously a lot easier to get it done when they do have him. They were 18 and 13 when Paul George was in their lineup. So it's a one game sample size. It's a do or die type situation. If you will, anything could happen in that kind of March madness environment, Harry Douglas, I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility that the Clippers can keep it together, but I don't like their odds now without Paul George, without the face of that team coming off of a loss when this Pelicans team, frankly, is riding high after beating the Spurs in a very dominant fashion. So I think that this is all going to play into the hands of the Pelicans, but the hands of the Pelicans don't have Zion Williamson. So it's not as if the Pelicans are at full strength either. So it'll be, I guess, an interesting matchup coming off of this news tonight. Now, moving forward, it also is dicey because I don't know what this means with the health and safety protocols with Paul George. I also don't know the vaccination status. I know there was a there was a report out there, I believe, earlier in the season that the Clippers are fully vaccinated. So I, I don't know what this means in terms of moving forward. If they were to get past tonight, if they were able to get past the Pelicans, then that series with the Suns would start on Sunday. Would he be available by Sunday? It may not be problematic against the Pelicans. Maybe they can get it done against the Pelicans. I I, I mean, I first of all, I, I'm not sure I give them any shot against that Phoenix Suns team with Paul George, oh, Harry nib, Douglas, nib, nib, but nib. without Paul George, no, nib, nib. Well, it's not a good situation. I, I did, it wasn't going to be good for them with Paul George against the Phoenix Suns because I think the Phoenix Suns are the best team in the NBA. They had the best record. Um, I think as collectively as a team, they have played the best brand of basketball we've seen the entire year. They have been consistent all year long, even when Chris Paul went out. You've seen that consistency there. So I, I don't think they, they, they have a fair chance, period, against the Phoenix Suns with Paul George, without Paul George. But it is a, a different feeling when you're actually in the playoffs and get to play a series. So tonight they actually do have a chance. Now the chances are, are cut down a little bit because their superstar is not there, but they do have a chance. And they are going to get their chance if they do advance tonight past the Pelicans despite this adversity, then they will get their chance against the Phoenix Suns again. That series would tip off on Sunday and it would continue Tuesday, Friday, and after that. At some point, Paul George would come back. I just don't know if he would be available for game one in that series. So a huge loss for the Los Angeles Clippers as Paul George has tested positive for COVID-19. This is ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas. We are taking you up until 7 p.m. Eastern. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save on commercial auto insurance from Progressive. Get a fast quote at ProgressiveCommercial.com. I mentioned there is another game tonight, Harry Douglas. I have a feeling that you're ready for this game. You are in Hotlanta. You are an Atlanta Hawks fan. Uh, if you don't know, Harry Douglas earlier in the segment, he didn't even realize it had made a 40 and slip where he said that they've been playing good football of late or something like that. Uh, when he was referring to <laughs> basketball, that is because Harry Douglas, of course, <laughs> is himself a football player, played for the Falcons for a long time. Also the Tennessee Titans. So he is still in Atlanta. These are his Atlanta Hawks. That's right. You must be excited tonight. Go ahead and give us your Hawk. The Harry's Hawk sounds like this. Soar, soar, soar. Oh, you added in a soar this time. A little time. extra, little extra on top that. of it. A little extra for game night. So this game tips off <laughs> at 7.30 p.m. tonight. 
Uh, Woj is reporting that the Cavs all-star center Jared Allen plans to go through pregame warm-ups with the intention of playing versus Atlanta in the play-in tournament Uh tonight, but will make a final decision at game time, sources tell ESPN. He has been out since early March with a fractured finger. Jared Allen would make a big difference here for the Cleveland Cavaliers against your Atlanta Hawks tonight, Harry. Yeah, it's going to be a, 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 a big deal because Jared Allen is a rim protector, a guy who can protect the rim. And one of the things Trey Young does very, very well in pick and roll is getting to the rim and throwing those lobs to Clint Capella. Another thing it, it allows the Cleveland Cavaliers to do is Evan Mobley to be able to play the role that he wants to play, right? He, his entire arsenal is not just inside. He can move out to the basket. He can shoot the mid-range. He can shoot the three-point line. And then marketing as well. I'm worried about that. I'm actually worried about them – uh, for the Hawks defensively, being able to spread the court, especially if Jared Allen is there. Now you move a, a Clint Capella um, out there to have to guard a pick and roll against a Darius Garland and a Jared Allen. Now you have those lobs that, that, that Garland can throw to a- Allen as well. Not to mention you have bigs, two other bigs in marketing and, and – Obley, who can shoot the three-point uh, game very from the three-point line very well. Then you have Kevin Love coming in off of the bench, who can also knock down jump shots. And then you have Karis LeVert. They have a lot of weapons on that team. Those guys just was hurt late in the year. Now, if he's not able to go, now you put Evan Mobley in a position that he doesn't want to be in, right? He, he, he wants to play on that perimeter, mostly mid-range game. He doesn't want to have to be a rim protector. Marketing wants to do the same thing. Now you put those guys in a bind, having to guard the pick and roll with a Trey Young and a Clint Capella. But I love DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre Hunter and Kevin Herter. Those two guys have been the unsung heroes for the Atlanta Hawks this year. We know what Trey Young could do. Trey Young has been phenomenal. We know what Clint Capella can do. He's a rim protector. He's a guy that's going to get you a double-double every night. But those two guys that I just mentioned, Kevin Herter and DeAndre Hunter, has played a great brand of basketball. Amber, basketball this mm-hmm. time, there you this go. entire year. And even Football in the playoffs last right. year, listen, Kevin Herter did a hell of a job stepping up last year in the playoffs, got paid a ton of money because he was Johnny on the spot in every game that he played in in the playoffs last year. Uh, the other night he hit four threes. This Hawks team, if they can continue to spread the court, Trey Young can make the right play. But I'll tell you this, Trey Young can't start slow like he did the other night against the Charlotte Hornets. He must be hitting on all cylinders. The Hawks must make their open shots, and most importantly, they have to play defense. They got to be able to play defense like they did against the Charlotte Hornets. They can't play the defense that they played this year throughout the NBA season and think they're going to come up with it because I think Cleveland has just that many guys that can score the basketball. But I'm looking forward to seeing Trey Young and Darius Garland go at it left and right. An important piece in this game it's which one of these point guards can get the other guy in foul trouble. That's been something that's been trending in a lot of these playoff uh, play-in games that we've been watching is guys getting in foul trouble. Can Trey Young get Garland in foul trouble? Can Garland get Trey Young in foul trouble? If either one of those guys can do that, it's going to be a major advantage because both of those guys have to be on the floor for their teams. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a matchup to watch. Darius Garland is definitely going to target Young in the same way defensively. The problem is that he's just not quite as advanced as a switch hunter uh, as as Young is. I mean, he's got some growing. As great as Darius Garland has been this season, he does have some growing left to do. Uh, 
Trey Young didn't look like he had growing left to do in their other play-in game. He can be phenomenal, and we know he tends to step up in the biggest moments and under the brightest light. And he's a huge problem for any team defensively. If this was a healthy Cavs team, I would think maybe they could weather the storm because they were elite defensively in the regular season when they were healthy. But Jarrett Allen was a huge part of that. And if Jarrett Allen can't get out there and play, then I think this actually becomes a pretty bad matchup for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And, and, and a lot of that has to do with just the greatness of Trey Young. You saw it with the Hornets. I mean, they couldn't – it was like anything they threw at him, uh, they couldn't shut him down. And I know we got some people who came off yesterday saying, how are you praising Trey Young and the, Hor- and the Hawks so much – Coming off of that win, you and I, I know we had somebody uh, write us on Twitter because they were saying, you know, he he didn't have the best game and he started slow at three and 13 or whatever it was. I don't have the numbers. In front of me. It's not just about, but score. it's not just scoring. It's what Trey no. Young was doing now, given, yes, his shot was not falling early, but it's also because the defense was just keyed in on Trey Young, which is why. Buckets wise, the rest of the Hawks were scoring, right? Because they weren't keyed in on defensively because all the attention was on Trey. And then when the Hornets switched their defensive game plan in the second half, you saw that Trey Young just became a killer because that's what Trey does. And he takes whatever the defense is essentially giving him. He knows how to read defenses so well. He's got that understanding of the game that, frankly, I'm not sure like a Darius Garland yet has. So that's kind of the greatness of Trey Young. I don't like the Cavs tonight and I I feel bad saying it for the Cleveland Cavs because I do feel like they have been a bit disrespected this season and maybe haven't always gotten the attention that that young good squad has deserved I just think that they've met their match and aren't ready for it in terms of not just development with the young guys and and a player who in Mobley who I think should win rookie of the year but also in terms of health because if Jared Allen ain't out there 100% then I don't think this is a good matchup for Cleveland. It is big. Jared Allen playing tonight or not playing, it's going to be a huge factor in this game. And one of the things that he does do, like when guards penetrate the lane and try to shoot those floaters, he can block those shots. He can alter those shots. We've seen Trey Young do that in the second half against the Charlotte Hornets because they don't have a guy that can stretch up and block those little floaters. And then he was just throwing the lobs to Capella. If he's in there, that's going to be a different story. Not saying that Trey Young can't get the shot off or get the lobs off. It's just going to be that much more difficult. And as far as Trey Young, the last game, yes, he wasn't scoring like that early on. But when the Charlotte Hornets were keying in on him, he was making the right passes at the right time, allowing the Hawks to be able to have ball movement to knock down open shots. That's what it's about, especially in a game like tonight. Make the right play at the right time, and when you have to score, you got to knock down your buckets. Yeah, when you trap him, he can pass you to death. I mean, it's not like Trey Young is just out there for the buckets. He can bring everything to his game, and he's really, really one of he's one of those players in the NBA that is pretty darn impossible to defend when he is on top of his game. Like there are very few people in the NBA who can properly defend him. And I, as great as the Cavs have been defensively, because that has been their bread and butter this season. They would need to be fully healthy to even hang with them, I think, in that regard with the Hawks. So I don't know if I like this matchup for the Cavs tonight, but a lot remains to be seen. We might see Jared Allen out there. Maybe he is healthy. Um, Maybe that component of this conversation is a bit overstated. It might come down to that. But again, 
Multiple NBA games tonight. It is uh, winner go home for the ha- Hawks and the Cavs, 7.30 p.m. tip-off. Winner go home for the Pelicans, Clippers, 10 p.m. tip-off. The Clippers will be trying to do that without Paul George, which was the huge breaking news out of the NBA. Coming up next, will Kyler Murray play for the Cardinals this season without a new contract? We transition to the NFL. This is ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas. ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas hanging out with you here on ESPN Radio. The NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio. Tune in to play in action tonight as the Cavs host the Hawks, followed by the Pelicans at the Clippers. Presented by Indeed, coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. We are spending a lot of today's show talking about those games and a lot of NBA stories, but let's take a moment for the NFL Let's go out to the guest line where we will find our friend Kimberly A. Martin, ESPN NFL analyst, to help us with this NFL conversation. And Kmart, I I was hearing on uh, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max this morning, they were having a conversation about whether Russell Wilson is a truly elite quarterback. Like, would you put him in the Hall of Fame already? And I wanted to start there with, with you. What are your thoughts on that conversation? Is Russell Wilson already a Hall of Famer? I mean, it's hard because we almost have gotten spoiled by Brady and Rodgers being so so good, right? So the conversation of, is Russ elite? Like, I feel like on one hand, Russ, I I firmly believe he doesn't get the credit he deserves for being such a great quarterback, but I also recognize that he isn't Brady. He isn't Rodgers. Um, He's that next tier right below. And when you look back at his Super Bowl in Seattle, you know, as, as great as he is, People credit the defense, the Legion of Boom. They credit Marshawn Lynch. Like, those are the two uh, variables that people point to in that Seattle win, not Russell. And even I think what hurts him is that former teammates of his have been critical of him um, and his play over the years. So I think it kind of skews how we look at Russell. Uh, that's why going to Denver, it's so intriguing because if he is able in his Broncos tenure to win a Super Bowl, how we talk about Russell there leaves no doubt if he's able to win a Super Bowl in Denver that he's a Hall of Famer. So, Kmart, I have to ask you this. Russell Wilson going to Denver, it puts a a lot of pressure on himself to actually produce and deliver a Super Bowl there. But when you look at the totality of the AFC and you look at the AFC West, where do you see Mm -hmm. Denver in the AFC West? Where do you you slot them at? So that's such a great question because nobody knows, right? Um, exactly. To me, the Broncos and the Raiders are really fascinating because I don't see all four of these teams making the playoffs, although I think they're the four of the best teams in this entire conference. I don't think all four make it. So I'm looking at I, – I, I, because they, okay, so this is, this is great because in Denver you've got – a rookie head coach, rookie OC, rookie defensive coordinator. But you've got Russell Wilson. You know, with the Raiders, you've got Josh McDaniels, who's not new as a head coach, but it's been a it's been a minute. But you've got Derek Carr, who you would say is out of the four quarterbacks in that that division, he's the fourth. So there's just so many variables that it's hard to say. I think Denver should be a team that I will say this. Failure to me this season would be them being the third best team in this division, them having a nine and eight type of season. Um, I'm not in the Super Bowl this year, 
but you can't just eat into the playoffs. Like, you have to come out and show that Russell, this is a different team. He's brought new energy, and we are the team. I understand they have Patrick Mahomes in that division as well and the Chargers and Justin Herbert, but Russell has to change things to, to where it's not just automatic that the Chiefs are the team to beat. He makes the Broncos one of the top teams, if not the team to be in that division. It is very intriguing because when I look at that division and I picked Denver last, but I only picked Denver last because I don't know what Nathaniel Hackett is going to be as a head coach. Right. Russell Wilson's right. coming over. Everything has to work. Yes, the arsenal was there. Now, they don't have a tight end. They got to find a way mm-hmm. else to go four or five wide and figure that out. Defensively, I know what they can be, but offensively, just because the guys are there doesn't mean it's going to gel and it's going to work. Now, I understand they're putting the work in right now, but that's the only reason right at this moment I have them fourth in the division because it's so much unknown and we don't know. Right. Okay, can I ask you this, though? With the Raiders, they just made it into the playoffs last year. Now, you added Devontae Adams, and you think, oh, well, obviously that's Derek Carr's best friend. So, clearly that chemistry is going to be there because they work out all offseason. But, again – this is a Raiders team that it is a new it is a new coaching staff. You know, there's going to be some some um, time to develop chemistry. There's going to you know the way uh, McDaniel's does things. Like there's there's going to be some some growing pains and 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 learning curves and adjustments in in Las Vegas too. There is going it, to be that. Is. There's a lo- there's a lot of questions <laughs> in that division. I mean, it's going to be really interesting to watch that division and how it plays out. And then the Chargers didn't even make the playoffs last year. But, of course, they improved a lot mm. this offseason as well. And the Chiefs, I don't know, did they get a little worse there um, by losing out on Tyreek Hill? Could they not make the playoffs this season? That would be crazy talk. But moving on from that division for a second, uh, Kimberly, Kimberly and Martin on with Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas here on ESPN Radio. Because I do have to ask you about the reports coming out about Kyler Murray. We are hearing now after we had heard, you know, that they had kind of smoothed things over and things had gone quiet there in Arizona for a little bit. Now we are hearing that they are at a total standstill, the Cardinals and Kyler Murray, in terms of contract talks, and that Kyler Murray is totally unwilling to play if he does not have a contract extension. Do you know anything about this situation? Uh, do you believe that Kyler Murray actually um, would refuse to play? Could the Cardinals be thinking about moving on from Murray? You know, I don't. I don't see it playing out where Kyler Murray does not um, that he holds out or something like that. I don't see that playing out, right? I think his agent has done a great job. His agent, who also represents Cliff Kingsbury, who also got an extension um, recently, I think his agent has done a great job of of, of making fans, particularly in Arizona, feel like the Cardinals are dragging their feet. Um, but Kyler Murray, we know he's a dynamic talent. Uh, a former number one overall pick, three seasons under his belt, offensive rookie of the year, but he's never made the playoffs. Uh, not, excuse me, he hasn't won a playoff game. And I think, you know, it, it, there, when you look at sort of Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and when they signed extensions, like, it's April right now. Like, some of these other quarterbacks signed deals in June, July, August. Like, it's not – the Cardinals aren't hard-pressed to get something done right now. I think where the Cardinals – messed up, though, is that they gave Cliff Kingsbury and GM Steve Kime contract extensions and not Kyler. So that looks odd from the outside looking in. 
especially when you can point to Cliff Kingsbury as far as the team, his team start off hot and then they fizzle down the stretch. How much of that is on Kingsbury? How much of that is on Kyler? They both need to be better. But if you're going to pay Cliff Kingsbury and they have the same ages, um, the question then becomes, okay, when are you going to pay Kyler? But I don't, I don't see it. It bears watching, right? Because he's in former number one overall pick. He is a quarterback and we have so many needy QB teams um, out there, but QB needy teams, I should say. But I think this is, may just be right now in April, just a ploy to get him paid sooner than maybe he has to be. Talk about getting paid sooner. Debo Samuel out in San Francisco. What's going on out there? Why did, why don't San Fran want to pay Debo? And what do you think the market should be for a guy like Debo Samuel? I mean, uh, he's similar. There's nobody like Tyreek Hill, right? But he's similar in that he can do so many things. Like he is just uh, an offensive weapon. I think we use the word weapon a lot. That gets thrown around to a point where it almost sounds like a cliche. But when you have guys that can do it all, that anywhere you put him on the field, you need to pay attention to him. You don't know um, how to stop him. <laughs> the idea that you know the ball is going to him and defensive coordinators still have no answer. I think guys like that are special. Um, and it's not like, you know, the Tyree Kill situation. You're not going to – any team's not going to draft a Tyree Kill in this draft. Same with people. Like, they're just special guys. So, I, I'm not I, – I feel like hope is not lost in San Francisco. I feel like they clearly know what they have in Debo Samuel. Um, I think it's the offseason. It is April. We do have the draft coming up. Um, you know, I, I don't know when it, an extension would come. But if, here's the thing. This offseason has taught us anything that, you know, from Russell Wilson can go to Denver – if a Devontae Adams can leave Green Bay, if Tyreek Hill can leave Kansas City, listen, no no roster spot is permanent, right? Um, but I would hope that San Francisco would figure out how to give him the money that he deserves because there are lots of teams, every other team would love to use Debo Samuel services. Kimberly, quickly here on the way out, it is a big day at ESPN, so I wanted to give you um, an opportunity to uh, offer a few words on this because it's Jackie Robinson Day that we're all celebrating here. And April 15th, 1947, he broke the color barrier in baseball when he started at first base for the Brooklyn Dodgers. I know you're our ESPN NFL analyst, but uh, I thought on such a big day you might have a few words on, on Jackie Robinson and what he did breaking that color barrier in sports. Well, to me, when I think of Jackie Robinson, I just think about the fight continues. Um, here's a guy who did not – a lot of the, the people that, um, you know, thought that they were on the right side of history at that point that felt like Jackie would be bad for business or, or blacks didn't deserve the same um, – shouldn't be allowed, um, didn't have the same credentials or the same skill set. A lot of those people over the course of time have been proven incorrect, right? But – it's still, it's 2022, and, and the same issues that Jackie was fighting continue today. And so a lot of times people, I, I hope that people don't think that Jackie Robinson is this figure from so long ago. Uh, you know, like this is like a baseball um, past, and, and like the fight continues, and that's what is disheartening, but also gives me hope because there will, we have to keep pushing that boulder up the mountain. We have to keep pushing the envelope. 
and getting people to sort of see the importance of equity and fairness and, and giving people, um, you know, even in the NFL, uh, coaches, head coaches of color, the same opportunities and chances um, because it's deserved. Yeah, absolutely. And, and keeping Jackie Robinson's legacy alive is, is certainly a big part of what we're doing today on Jackie Robinson Day. Kimberly A. Martin, ESPN NFL analyst. Kimberly, thanks for giving us some of your time. I think you're in an Uber, so I hope your Uber driver is an yeah. NFL fan. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully, with all this talk. Thanks. Uh, coming up next, a fitting moment on this Jackie Robinson Day. You just heard uh, us discuss it with Kimberly Martin. We will explain next ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. ESPN Radio. Wilson and Harry Douglas hanging out with you on ESPN Radio. You can always give us a call at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. And that is exactly what Grandpa Mikan has done. Harry, uh, apparently you and Grandpa Mikan go way back. You have some sort of relationship. Uh, Grandpa, if you will, what what's up? Uh, what do you have for us? Hey, how you guys doing, man? Great show. You know, I'm representing all the old knowledge, the wisdom of the world when it comes to the NBA. Hey, Harry, I tried to get this. Uh, I showed up at the park, but, uh, you know, Bart, he declined to show. So uh, I don't know no what to way. say, but you were right. I'll stay on him. But listen, I wanted to give a shout-out to a guy who has been following the NBA for about 65 to 70 years. His name is Don DeCastro out of Naples, Florida. He can't call in. But, you know, he's a great grandpa, so uh, I wanted to give him a big shout-out. And he wanted to let you know that the Clippers will win tonight and the Cavaliers will get beat. Now, that's from a man with a lot of wisdom. And thanks for the that's great show, talking. and uh, keep up the good work. Hey, Southwest Florida represents. Uh, he is in Naples. I am in Sarasota. So there you go. Stand up, West Coast of Florida. Uh, however, uh, I don't know if I'm as confident about his take regarding the Clippers with the Paul George news. If Paul George wasn't out, then absolutely my pick would have been the Clippers tonight over the Pelicans. But this situation has gotten much muddier now, Harry, now that we know Paul George is not going to be playing because he's tested positive for COVID-19. Yes, and not only that, the the New Orleans Pe- Pelicans, they they are 3-1 and one versus the Clippers this season. And they have three valuable scores on their offense, on their team right now. You look at Brandon Ingram, you look at C.J. McCullough, and then you look at Valanchunas. When I look at the Clippers, you want to know just bona fide scores who I see and I look at? Reggie Jackson. And Reggie Jackson, the last little part of the season, has struggled. He struggled late in the game versus the Minnesota Timberwolves. So I don't know if that's going to be enough for the Clippers to get over the hump tonight. Now, we appreciate the call from Grandpa Mike. And in the second part of that take that the Cavs are going to go down tonight, that part of the take I agree with. I know Harry Douglas. I don't even need to ask him. Let Harry Harry the Hawk uh, speak for himself. (laughs) We both agree with that take just because – the greatness of Trey Young, and I just think that the Cavs defensively are not healthy enough to get it done tonight against a good Atlanta Hawks team. And frankly, maybe the team that makes the most interesting matchup with a number one against my Miami Heat. We'll talk about that at some point in this show.